information there. Okay. Now I'd like to invite up Luke Hazelmeyer, and he'll be bringing the message this morning. Welcome, Luke. Hey, good morning, everybody. How you guys doing? Awesome. Really happy to be here, too. Uh, just an update on my personal life. Seven weeks from today is my wedding date, so I'm excited for that. <laughs> yeah, Jamie and I are really excited. We were doing some planning yesterday, and um, it's going to be great. So we're in a series right now in the kingdom of God, and what I get to really focus on this morning is one of my favorite topics to talk about and share my heart on, and it's leadership and how leadership ties into the kingdom. And uh, just to give you some background on my experience with leadership, my, my dad, growing up, he, uh, he's an amazing leader, and he's always tried to instill leadership skills and mindsets in me. In fact, he would pay me to read leadership books when I was like 10, 11, and 12, and 13 years old. Myself and my two younger brothers. And uh, so he was always investing in us that way. Also, my brothers and I, we got to go on a trip with our dad when we were 12. And we could go basically anywhere that we wanted. Um, none of us asked to go out of the, to go like to another continent. I don't know if we could have done that. But um, we were 12, and so we got to go on a trip with dad. And um, when I was 12, I was really fascinated with redwood trees. There's like sequoia trees, like the real big trees that are maybe 14 feet in diameter, like 400 feet tall. I just was really fascinated with those. And so I wanted to go out to San Francisco, California, and see the redwood trees. Well, it happened that my dad wanted to attend a business convention that out there in San Francisco the same weekend. And so I got to go to that with him and we got to see the trees. And so we went out there and the trees were amazing. I remember driving there, we just like pulled over on the side of the road and just climbed a mountain just because we wanted to. And so that was like a really cool moment just with my dad getting to climb a mountain. So we saw the trees and the trees were amazing. And the next day was the convention. We get there early and there's a big center with tons of seating and a stage. And my dad takes me up on stage and he turns me around. You know, we're, at first we're facing this way, but he turns me around. So I'm looking at all the empty chairs and he says to me, Luke, someday you're going to have influence over crowds of people like this. And you're a leader and you're going to be speaking to thousands and tens of thousands. And that just impacted me as a 12 year old um, experiencing being there and seeing that and believing that, oh, wow, maybe I can be a leader. Also, when I was in eighth grade, I was attending the Tri-County Vineyard, and there's a conference every summer at the Tri-County Vineyard called SOS. Big conference for middle schoolers and high schoolers. It was integral for my faith growing up. That's where I learned to hear God. That's where I learned to uh, experience God, or when I first experienced His presence. It was kind of the thing that kind of kept my faith alive because like two weeks after that I'd have a little mini revival and then two weeks later I'd go back to all my dumb decisions I was making as a teenager Um, but whenever SOS would roll around it would kind of like stoke that ember that was in there of faith and so I was at the SOS conference and I was in eighth grade and I had never heard of 
prophetic words before. I didn't, I, I know, I think I was just starting to understand that God could speak to me, but I didn't know that he would speak to someone else to speak to me. And so here I am an eighth grader. I go up for prayer and these guys that are functioning in the prophetic really well look at me and they're like, Hey, you have brothers, don't you? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, and you're the oldest, aren't you? And they, I never met them before. They're like, yeah. And then they're like, well, you are going to be an example and a light to your brothers. And I remember hearing that and being like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, if you would have seen what I was doing last Friday and Saturday, you wouldn't be saying that, you know. Um, so I just kind of disregarded it. And then um, the other guy looks at me and he says, yeah, and there's a leadership thing on you. You're going to be leading God's people like King David. And again, like I might be leading people. They ain't, they're not going to be God's people, you know. Um, and so I and so I kind of just forgot about those two words. But then. There was this really cool moment in 2013. I was at my college graduation party at my parents' house. House group was about a year old. And so there were some house group leaders and house group people there. Some of them are in this room right now. They were there. My family was there. And my dad opens up this sharing time. And people start sharing how I've impacted them. And my, both my brothers, I'd never heard them say stuff like this before. But for the first time, they said, man, Luke has just been such an example to us and a role model to us showing us what it looks like to be a man of God, a young man of God. And I hear them say that, and then I look around and see all of the people that I'm starting to lead, and those, boom, those two words just come back to my mind from eighth grade, you know, ten year, however many years later. And so it was just a really, really powerful moment, and um, it just kind of shows you the leadership, how leadership has been woven into my life since I was young. And I still have so much more to learn about leadership, but it is a topic that I'm very passionate about. And so I want to talk then um, and continue with what Van's been teaching. And the, uh, one of the big points Van's been making about leadership is that everybody is a leader. Leadership is not some trait that you're born with that some people have and some people don't have. Everybody can be a leader. And the reason for that is that Leadership is not about title or position. Leadership is about having a following. It's about actually influencing people. That's what makes you a leader. Not having pastor before your name or um, CEO before your name. It is actually exerting your influence on people. And not only can all of us exert our influence on people, but we are commanded to exert our influence on people um, in scripture, we are called to dominate the entire world with the kingdom and the gospel. <laughs> and, you know, not, and so, uh, so all of us then are called to be leaders. Not only are all of us called to be leaders, but I really genuinely believe that every person in here who's sitting in this room, who's confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord and that believes that God raised him from the dead... That every person in here that is a believer has world-changing potential in them. <clears throat> Seriously. And here's why. God lives in you. God. I don't think you guys heard me. God <laughs> lives in you. Like the creator of, not only does God change the world, God formed the world. 
So the one who formed the world lives in you. It should take more faith to believe that you can't change the world than that you can. Seriously, it should be harder to believe. Oh man, they've got God in them. Of course they're going to change the world. How could they not? It takes a lot of faith to believe they're not going to. I believe that. And so the question then is, well, if we have world-changing potential in us as believers, why are some of us not seeing the world-changing impact that we want? And that comes down to our part in all of this, that God gives us the potential and the ability. We have to steward it. We have to steward the leadership ability and steward the potential and steward the faith that he is releasing to us. And stewarding it is not really that complicated. It's just being willing to learn and willing to grow. I love the phrase, God's not looking for ability. He's working, looking for availability. And so he's got the ability covered. And he's put that in us already. Now all we have to do is be available. And be willing to be stretched and grow and learn and submit and humble ourselves and be courageous. Everybody is a leader. You know, I have a dream that... Um, so kind of like how the cutting edge of music and art used to be in the church. You guys know that, right? The Renaissance used to be in the church. The church used to be where you had the cutting edge musicians and artists. We've lost that over the years. I have a dream that that would return to the church. But also, I have a dream that the church would be known as a place where revelation on leadership was the most poignant. And that People from companies and hospitals and schools would be sending people to the church to learn how to do effective leadership. What if even our church could be a place where businesses and hospitals and schools sent their leaders to learn about leadership? And not just from people that have a staff role here at this church, because again, that doesn't make you a leader, but because of the leadership culture that existed here. That's one of my dreams. And so we, in order for us to see that happen, we got to steward the leadership God is releasing and be um, uh, vigilant on continuing to grow and learn as a leader. And so the main question then that I want to spend the morning answering is how do we increase our influence, our leadership? How do we actually start to take steps toward growing to be a better leader? So let's pray and then we'll dive into that. Jesus, we want to see you and um, so much bigger in our city and our community. We want to believe you for amazing things. God, help us to dream even bigger than we're dreaming right now for our city and our country. <laughs> ask that your presence come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. So I really believe that when the people of God are released into their full potential in leadership, that the result of that is heaven coming to earth and the kingdom of God being advanced. And so, yeah, I want to take this seriously. And um, the, re- the kind of the paradigm of leadership that I want to show all of you, it's been extremely impactful for me in my life, comes from a guy named John Maxwell. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of John Maxwell before. He uh, is a former pastor and now one of the leading voices on leadership in the world. And so he has developed five levels of leadership that every leader has to go through in order to achieve 
maximum influence. And so just real, um, just to go through, I'll go through all five of them quickly and then we'll break each one down. But the first level is title or you can call it positional leadership. Second one is relationships. Third one is productivity. Fourth is people development. And fifth is pinnacle leadership. The way these, these levels of leadership work is that they're cumulative. So while you're on level one, until you become a master of level one, you're not moving on to level two. Once you move on to level two, you're not moving on to level three until you're a master of level one and level two. And then once you're at level three, you're not moving on to four until you master one, two, and three, and four. So you can kind of get the picture. You don't graduate from one. You add it to your leadership. So the first level of leadership is title or positional. This is where people follow you because they have to. People follow you because they are required to. This is the least effective level of leadership that there is. In fact, you might not even call this leadership I'm sure a lot of you can think of a boss or a supervisor or even a pastor you've had before who said, you need to listen to me because this is what my title says and this is what's on my name badge. And that's a pretty terrible way to motivate people. You probably actually wanted to do the very opposite thing they told you to do when they did that. So leadership by title or leadership by position is the least effective kind of leadership. There are a couple of reasons why that's true. One If you have to tell people that you're the leader, you're not the leader. (laughs) Okay? If I have to be like, hey guys, don't forget, I'm the leader. Hey, hey, in case you forgot, I'm leading here. I'm the leader. You're not the leader. Real leaders don't ever have to say they're the leader. They just just lead and people follow. (laughs) Second reason why leadership by title is ineffective is that when people do actually listen to positional leaders, it's not because they're, having, they're displaying good leadership. It's because something like their paycheck might be on the line. You know, It's like, well, you are not influencing me at all. I don't respect you at all. I don't trust you at all. But I have to do what you say to get my paycheck, so I'm going to keep doing it. That's not, there's no influence there from the leader. It's influence from the paycheck. Also, sometimes I might choose to listen to you, not because I trust or respect you, but because the person you listen to, I trust or respect. But point is, leaders by title don't actually influence people. They rely on some other external thing and for their influence, which boils down to their title. So this is still an important level of leadership, but not for other people. So when you are at level one in leadership, you shouldn't be flash, trying to find a title and flash it around. Remember, that does not give you leadership. That's more so for yourself internally. You have to believe, I am a leader, if you want to start leading anything. The first step is to give yourself a title, really. I am a leader. I have the ability to influence my surroundings. If you don't start there, you'll never be a good leader. Because good leadership has to begin with believing in yourself. Um, And like I said earlier, not only should you believe in yourself because it's awesome, but we are commanded to in Scripture. Just to read that passage, let's read the Great Great Commission as it's called, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, Jesus' last appeal to his disciples. Here we go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's our assignment. That's our call. So we are called to influence the world, the the entire world, to believe and practice everything that Jesus commanded in the Gospels. Pretty easy, right? Opposite. It's a pretty tough assignment, I think. And you know, I've been tempted to believe before that when Jesus told us that, that somehow he didn't actually think we could do it. Like, he's like, I'm going to give him this command just to rally him up, but there's no way it's going to happen. But I don't think I buy that. I think Jesus gave us that command because he thought we could do it. That we could take the kingdom to the entire world. And so what I want to do is stop believing that, well, you know, the world is doomed. And so we better just kind of hold on for dear life until Jesus comes back and then we get to go to heaven. But let's like start stewarding the leadership and the influence that we do have and see it extend and believe that God can spread his kingdom over across the whole earth. And that the works of the devil can be destroyed in every nation. I say, let's start believing that. And so that begins with us saying, I can influence my surroundings. That's level one of leadership. Level two is relationships. This is where people follow you because they like you. The first one is they follow you because they have to. And now they follow you because they actually like you or they enjoy you. And so leaders have to be relational with the people that they are leading. It is not just a good idea. It's not something that will give you like a bonus. It is absolutely essential that if you're leading people, that you are pursuing relationship with them where first and foremost, you care about them as a human being without any strings attached. That is the beginning of how your leadership starts to manifest outwards is through relationship. And so I I came, there's so much you could say about how to be relational um, as a leader and how to grow in that. So I just came up with three really good things and there's way more than this, but I made you all an acronym because acronyms are fun. And so the uh, acronym is L-I-T. So if you, so lit. So this is how you get your leadership. This is how you get your leadership lit. Okay. Okay. All right. So if you want to get lit as a leader, (laughs) um, first thing I want to talk about is listening. Listening. It is so important sometimes for us to just stop talking and listen to people. And some, you know, sometimes we just talk too much, you know, and we just need to take the, our top lip, have it make contact with our bottom lip and leave it there and listen to somebody. Cause one of the most powerful things you can do to show someone you care about them is actually being curious about them, like wanting to know them. Like think about this. When was the last time that you had someone's five minutes of undivided attention 
where they just were curious about you, asking questions about you, listening to you without changing the subject back on themselves at all. It doesn't happen that much. But when it does, it's so powerful. So I found the best leaders are the best listeners. It's so true. Okay, so that's the L in lit. The I is intentional. Be intentional. So when your notification on Facebook comes up and it tells you whose birthdays are today, go on their wall and say happy birthday to them. You know? When you walk into church and you see someone that you know, you go up and say hi to them. I know it can be a game like, okay, are they going to come say hi to me? Or am I going to say hi to them? Let's just... You go say hi to them. And you, you may think these are really small, trivial things, but what I've found is that in leadership, it's not some big, grand strategy or event that makes people feel cared about. It's like the small things day to day, consistently. Like... So many companies, their strategy for appreciation and um, making their employees feel cared about is like a once a year big celebration where they've got awards and they're giving awards out and they are calling people out by name and thanking them and telling them they did really good work and they've got expensive food and that's their thing. But then for the next 364 days, it's back to I'm going to treat you Like you're not worth anything to me. You just get me the numbers, get me the deadlines. I don't care about your life at all. I'm never going to say thank you to you one time. But then when that year rolls around and we do the big party, you should definitely know that we care about you and are thankful for you. There's nothing wrong with doing those big kinds of celebrations, but what really matters is being consistent and intentional in the small things with the people that you're leading. And so... Second way that you can develop relationships as a leader is by intentionality. Then the T in lit is trust. Trust is the foundation of any relationship. If you don't trust me, we can't have a relationship. If I don't trust you, we can't have a relationship. And you know, there are people who go from social group to social group, from church to church, from, minute, from a organization to organization who feel rejected at each one of them. It's people that have almost chronically feel like they're always being rejected by people. And that's a tough place to be. And sometimes it's the church's fault. Sometimes it's the organization's fault. Sometimes it's the people's fault. But when you become, when you get so hurt over and over again, and then you go into any situation or you, go, you enter into any new kind of group of people, you go in with a lack of trust. You go in thinking, man, these people are probably going to hurt me just like the last ones. I don't trust these people. And then because you don't have trust from the beginning, the relationship is never going to form and the cycle just gets perpetuated over and over and over again. And so trust is so critical And leaders are the first ones to trust. Good leaders. Bad leaders are like, you know what? I'm going to let you kind of prove yourself and earn stuff before I trust you. And again, if I don't think you trust me, I'm not going to trust you. And so it's like a, it's it's again, it's one of those like standoffs again. Who is going to be the first one to trust? 
leaders are the first one to trust. So level two is relationships. And if you get lit, then they will continue to increase and grow. (laughs) Okay. Um, I want to read this verse, Colossians 3.14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So, again, above all, all else aside, the most important thing that you do as a leader is you love people and make them feel cared about. And so now, the third, the third level, so once you believe your leader and you develop relationships with your people, you can move on to the third level, which is productivity. The productivity level is people follow you because of what you have accomplished. People follow you because of what you've accomplished. And you know, in the church, for some reason, we have like this aversion to the word productivity. It's like, oh, it's works if you're talking about being productive. You know, you're get, you're, all you care about is numbers and goals and all that. But let's read John 15, 16 real quick. John 15, 16, Jesus talking to his disciples says this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. We are called to bear fruit and fruit that will last. We are called to be productive in the kingdom. We are called to actually make things happen around us. That's an assignment. Now, of course, if our intimacy and relationship with the Father gets put at a lower priority to being productive, then we have all kinds of trouble coming our way. We're not going to actually, we're never, we're not going to be productive and we're not going to have a relationship with God. But if we keep our relationship with the father and intimacy with him as the number one priority in our life, and we allow productivity to flow out of that, we're going to have an amazing relationship with God and we're going to be seeing product productivity in our lives. And you know what? God doesn't just want to like hug us and speak to us and, tell us cool things. He wants to do stuff with us. (laughs) Seriously. God loves it when we're going out on the streets and we're like slaying demons and releasing prophetic words and seeing healing happen. He loves that stuff. And so, so we're called to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now there's a classic mistake that leaders make when it comes to this level of leadership. And uh, it happens in all um, contexts of leadership. So real quick, just as a reminder, we've got level one, which is title or positional. We've got level two, which is relationships. And then we've got level three, which is productivity. Here's a classic mistake leaders make. They start here at title leadership, and then they try to bypass relationships and go straight to productivity. They come in with all these goals and these plans and these ideas, and they start telling the people they're leading who they haven't invested in relationally at all, and they think that they're going to get somewhere with it. You know, the saying is so true. People don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care about them. Seriously, it's so true. 
And so great leaders understand that you cannot bypass relationships to get right to productivity. It is necessary. But then once you get to productivity, we are called, like I said, to get stuff done. Fourth level of leadership is people development. People development. This is people follow you because of what you've done for them. It's not just I like you or you've done stuff. It's what you've done for me. The investments that you have made in me. The training and the equipping that you've done for me. This is the fourth level of leadership. And now you have to have productivity in order to develop people. And here's why. Nobody wants to be developed by someone into doing something that that leader can't even do themselves. (laughs) So if you want to be a developer of people, you first have to do something that's worth spreading on to others. And so, but once you, once you do that, you can move on to people development. And once you're at this stage of people development, Leaders here start to understand something that's called the paradox of power. Paradox of power is this. As a leader, the more of your power and influence you give away, the more power you actually get yourself. As you give away opportunities, as you, as you give away power, as you, as you give away influence, your own leadership authority increases as well, which can feel counterintuitive because you're letting things go. I think we see this in the word as well. If you want to read Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 with me. Paul writes this, talking about church governance. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So what that's saying is that if you are an apostle, your primary job isn't to apostle if that's even the correct verb usage of apostle. If you're a prophet, your primary job isn't to prophesy. If you're an evangelist, your primary job is not to evangelize. It's to empower and equip the people you're leading to do that stuff. That is the... So we see in scripture even that built into these gifts of ministry that Jesus gives to each one, everybody is one of those five. If you don't believe me, go back and read verse 7. It says to each one. Part of those gifts built into that system is that they are for the purpose of developing people. And so people development is so critical. Also, I want to read um, Isaiah chapter 35. So turn there with me if you want. Really powerful passage here. You know, I think about examples of bosses and supervisors I've had in my life. And, you know, I've had some that were empowering to me and developed me and cared about me and some that didn't. Um, You know, for example, I remember I started one place and I was young and full of ideas and passion and energy. I couldn't wait to get in there and share everything that I had to offer. And now granted, I also thought I could fix all the problems that were in the organization. And that was just my own naivety being, you know, a young a young guy, but I had all this passion, energy, and excitement, you know? 
And so I remember getting there and the first meeting comes around and I'm ready just to, I just, I just feel like I, these ideas are just bursting out of me. And the first thing our supervisor says is, hey guys, to the new hires, just so you know, starting off, you're better seen, not heard. So don't feel like you can speak or share in these meetings. And it was just kind of like a balloon that got deflated, you know, because I was so excited to get in there and really share stuff. And I remember one time we were doing a brainstorming session and I had thought for a, like I pl- spent hours um, preparing this proposal that I wanted to give. And then finally the time came and the boss said, OK, everyone who uh, wants to share. And I was newer. And so there, I was around a bunch of people that had been around longer than me. And had higher titles than I did. And then I go to share my thing. And the guy said, hey, wait, wait a second, Luke. I don't want you to go first. Is there anybody else who wants to share first? And so, um, you know, that guy, he, uh, he, I mean, he's a great guy. So I don't, I don't want to um, say he isn't. But he's probably not going to be invited to my wedding. You know? <laughs> um, I don't really remember much stuff that he taught me. Um, I can't show you, hey, this is how he's impacted my life. He's just a memory that isn't playing any role in me now. I've had other leaders, specifically when I was an intern at Vineyard Tri-County, the high school pastor, Adam, um, he noticed me. He noticed I had leadership potential. And I remember just being there for a couple months, actually before Adam came, I was there before him. And I was, I was making coffee and, you know, changing filters and cleaning and doing all doing typical interny stuff. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, I, I'm okay with making the coffee every morning and throwing out the grinds. I'm okay with cleaning the refrigerator when it gets dirty. I'm okay with vacuuming and cutting up cardstock flyers. I'm okay with all that, but is there something you guys can give me to lead? Is there anything at all that I can lead? I just want to lead. I feel called to lead. I have so many ideas. Can I lead at all? And I remember in that moment, I made a decision that, you know, if I ever get to lead anything, I don't know if I will, but if I ever get to lead anything, I'm going to make it my life's mission to empower and give away ownership and give away leadership and include people's voices and, um, empower those below me as a leader. That's what I'm going to make my entire leadership life about. And that's what I'm trying to do to this day. And so, um, so then, uh, Adam, he noticed me and he said, Hey Luke, I noticed that you're really into leadership and your passion. I was wondering, I was thinking about starting a student leadership team myself, but I think maybe you could actually do a better job than me at it which wasn't true, but he told me that, you know. And uh, so I'd love to help train you and guide you along the way and let you start this student leadership team. And I was just like, you know, I tried to like not smile too big. Just, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, I got to exercise my leadership muscles for the first time and the team grew from like four students to like 25 students showing up an hour before the service started every single um, Sunday and we were doing all kinds of stuff. And actually some of those student leaders are sitting in this room right now to this day. So uh, that's pretty cool. But, um, you know, Adams, he's going to be invited to my wedding. 
you know. <laughs> and there is stuff that he has said to me and stuff that he has taught me that I still comes to my heart and comes to my mind to this day. And that's because he cared enough to actually develop me and believe in me and give me a chance. And that's what leaders at people development do. They give people a chance, maybe even a chance they haven't actually earned yet. And so I want to read this. Pa- I know I told you that like five minutes ago. It's, preachers do it all the time. That annoys me. And now I'm up here doing it. So um, <laughs> Isaiah 35. There's just so much to talk about, you know. Isaiah 35, verses 3 through 6. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy for waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the Arabah. Empower God's people and the natural result is revival. Is what that verse is saying. Encourage the exhausted. You know, people development, you can sum that up. You can boil that down to investing in someone for their well-being. Investing in someone for their well-being. Invest in God's people. Release their, their potential. Give them training. Give them opportunity. And the fruit of that is heaven coming to earth. I really believe that. I really believe that just with the people in this room right here, so not even the whole church, just the people in this room, if all of us were able to tap into the call and the world-changing potential that we have on our life, it would just be crazy, chaotic, amazing, nationwide revival. Just these people. I have no doubt in my mind. If we all could live to live up to the potential and the calling God has put in our life, the world would change. Empower God's people and heaven will come to earth. I'm giving my life to that idea. You know, people have all kinds of strategies. How are we going to see the world change? How are we going to see revival happen? And usually they have to do with big events or systems or outreach plans. But where I'm putting all of my eggs is that revival will come if God's people get empowered. I really believe that. So I want to share with you three components of people development. First one is instilling self-confidence. First thing that you do to empower somebody and to develop them is you instill self-confidence. Great leaders believe in people before they deserve to be believed in. And not only that, great leaders believe in people before those people actually believe in themselves. When I was 12 and my dad took me up in that convention center and told me I was going to be a great leader, he had no logical reason for doing that whatsoever. All he had was pure belief in me. And it had a profound impact on my life. And so I'm not saying that we should put people into situations they're not ready for, but we 
It is not an option as a leader as to whether we can believe in the people we're leading or not. It's a non-negotiable. And another part of this, another part of this component of instilling, instilling self-confidence is that people come from all kinds of backgrounds and histories and past, and some of them got some pretty big wounds on their hearts and on their minds. And some of them got some baggage and some insecurity and some fear, and they may be totally trained and be given a perfect opportunity, but because they haven't dealt with those hearts, that heart stuff, they shoot themselves in the foot when they actually get a chance to lead. So we as leaders, that's why being relational is so critical, because we as leaders have to start with, hey, I want to love you and care for you and see you get the heart healing that you need. Second component of uh, developing people is training. You really do have to train people. Now, most organizations I've seen, they do too much training and not enough releasing. So it's like train, 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 teach, 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 equip, 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 equip. And you're just like, okay, I have like all this information and skills like bubbling in me. Give me something to lead now. You know? Give me a chance to actually use the stuff that you're teaching me. And so that happens, but it's so true that training is necessary. Training is absolutely necessary. There's nothing worse than being thrown into a situation or an opportunity that you're not ready for and then failing miserably. And when you do that as a leader, those people that you kind of throw to the lions, they're not going to want the next opportunity. You're going to have to go back to instilling self-confidence again. So it is important to train people and get them ready for the opportunities that you're going to give them. But then the third component is actually give them an opportunity to do something. Give away some of your own power and let them have the power. This, this can be hard as a leader, you know? For example, um, so Jamie and I are doing premarital right now. And we're actually, from our assessment, we're very compatible. But the one thing that we're seeing that I'm really going to have to work on is not needing to be right about everything. <laughs> you see, I, uh, every little thing that I do, I just have this amazing, perfect thought process behind it. <laughs> And I'm just right. And so when, we're, when Jamie and I are cooking together and we're making pasta primavera, and uh, I want the bell peppers cut one way and she decides to cut them another way, I just got to be okay with that and be like, okay, baby, you can cut the bell peppers however you want. That's totally fine with me. But that's all to say. It's hard to let go of stuff sometimes because you know exactly how you want it done. And you're scared that they're going to do it a different way. And maybe even a better way. (laughs) And so you want to hold on to it. But the only way to succeed as a leader is to have an open hand with your power. Leaders that try to hold on to it and protect it and keep it to themselves at any cost slowly shrink down into nothing. Good leaders give away their power to others. The more power you give away, the more power you have. And then we got the fifth and final stage of leadership, which is pinnacle.
Pinnacle leaders are followed because of what they represent. I follow you because of what you represent. It is a leadership level that most don't get to, and it transcends all of the other leadership levels. For example, say that um, maybe some of you are familiar with Bill Johnson out of Bethel Church. Say Bill, John- Bill Johnson walked into the room right now and said, hey, everybody, I'm doing outreach. Who wants to come? I'd be like, sign me up, you know? But he's never developed a relationship with me. I've never been on a team with him where he was productive. He's never developed me, so why am I following him? Because he has transcended the other levels, and he represents something to me. And so leaders that master level one, two, three, and four move on to a place of leadership that transcends and exponentially increases its influence. And I really believe that there are a couple hundred pinnacle leaders, or people that are on their way to being pinnacle leaders in this room. Leadership is important. It matters. It's not, the secular world does not have ownership of the term leadership. Leadership was God's idea. So I'm going to invite Jason and the worship team to come back out. Let's just pray. Father, I want to repeat the prayer I said earlier. Let us dream bigger for our city. Let us believe more. I ask in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, that you speak to us and show us exactly how we need to increase our influence and our leadership. And Holy Spirit, we love you. We really believe that heaven on earth will come from the people of God being released into their full potential. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, guys. decision to follow Christ today and um, you know your leadership journey the beginning of realizing your full potential 
in the kingdom always has to start with saying yes to Jesus. Repenting, saying, I'm turning away from my former life. I'm allowing you to make me new. And I'm choosing you for the rest of my life. If you're in here and you need to, and you want to make that declaration, you want to start following Jesus, just pop your hand up right now. Okay, we got one. Praise God. Well, let's all pray. Two, okay. Praise God. Is there one more? I feel like there might be one more on this side of the room, maybe. There, okay, there we go. Four, okay. Praise God. All right. Let's all pray this together. Everybody in the room, let's all pray this together. Jesus, I repent of my old life. I choose to follow you. I choose to surrender to you. Come make me a new creation. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And release me into my destiny. In Jesus' name, amen. prayer teams up here. If you just prayed that prayer, please come and uh, get prayed for again. Tell somebody we love to celebrate um, new people coming into the family and into the kingdom. If you have prayer, if you need prayer for anything else, anything physical, healing, or anything is on your heart, these people up here seriously love, love, love praying. So come and get prayer for them. Okay? Jesus, we love you. We give you all the glory for today. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright, come forward for prayer. If not, see you next week.